0: turn with me to um, Mark, the second chapter. We're in a series uh, that we're calling our Expectations series. And this week we're going to do pretty much what we did last week. We're going to take a passage of scripture and just go verse by verse, read through it and see what the Lord would uh, show us, teach us uh, through his word. And so we're in Mark chapter 2. Again, if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with me. You may want to underline some things or make some notes there. So I'm a fan of paper Bibles. If you don't have that, don't receive condemnation, uh, but get yourself a paper Bible. It's just too easy, right? Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says and again he he being Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noised that he was in the house now let me just give you a little bit of information I like these little um these little points of trivia uh and to teach you something because we're a discipleship church and the word disciple means learner so hopefully what happens here this morning is we go home knowing something that we didn't come here knowing, right? And so I just want to give you a little bit of information in the way of helping disciple you. Also, I believe it helps give context for scripture because sometimes we don't know the, cons- the context of, of the passage we're reading. So it says that Jesus went into Capernaum. Now Capernaum is a uh, it 's a little small fishing village on the north shore of the Sea of galilee it wasn 't much of a town, but it was on a major travel route and trade route. It was really uh, on this route that kind of connected Africa, Asia, and Europe together and so a lot of people passed through Capernaum. Um, we know that Peter lived in Capernaum. Peter and his brother Andrew were for, from Capernaum. If I just keep stumbling over that word, just forgive me. Matthew, James, John, a lot of the disciples were from this area of Capernaum. And if you were to go there today, what you'd see was the marker that says the city of Jesus or the town of Jesus. Now Jesus was not from Capernaum, Jesus was from Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth right so that's his hometown was Nazareth but when Jesus began his ministry he actually his ministry headquarters were in Capernaum again think of a major travel route you know there's a lot of ministries today based out of Dallas you know why DFW right you can you can travel right and so Jesus's ministry was there based there and the gospel or the good news of Jesus could travel to Europe or to Asia or to Africa so this was was uh was Capernaum and so it says that that Jesus entered Capernaum and news spread quickly that he was in the house that's a cool phrase in the, it sounds like a modern phrase Jesus is in the house right <laughs> but news spread quickly about him and and if you want to know why you can actually go back to the chapter before, if you read uh, Mark chapter one, you'll see what happened in Capernaum last time Jesus was in the house. If you look at Mark chapter one, you'll see that, um, that last time he was in Capernaum, he went to church on Sunday or he went to synagogue on the Sabbath, whatever you wanna say it, right? And so while he was at synagogue on the Sabbath, a man, or he began to teach and the people were amazed at the authority with which he taught the word of God. And then all of a sudden, a man who was possessed of a demon began to manifest and Jesus cast a demon out and that got attention. And you're acting like it wouldn't happen here. It wouldn't get your attention if it happened here, right? So, I mean, he he, he shook the place up casting a demon out of a person and then we also know that after that um, Peter's mother-in-law thank God for mother-in-laws Peter's mother-in-law got sick and Jesus healed her. They were in Capernaum when that happened. And so Jesus began doing these mighty miracles the last time he was in Capernaum and it caught everybody's attention. And in fact, uh, it turned into several, what we would call services that he hosted there in Capernaum. And he did uh, miracles and mighty works. And so the whole town was in an uproar. Last time Jesus was in town, they had seen some crazy things. So now they hear that Jesus is back in town. So he had been gone for uh, we think probably two or three months, and he had returned. So this is why people are excited that Jesus was back in town. Now, verse two, it says, "In straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door." And he preached the word unto them. Now, again, everybody's excited. Jesus is back in town. They rush to the place where Jesus is. And um, you know, the last time they had encountered Jesus, they had seen miracles and mighty works. And so their expectations were that if Jesus is back in town, things are about to get exciting. They just had this crazy idea that when Jesus shows up, things change. That when Jesus shows up, people who were blind get their sight. When Jesus shows up, people who were deaf begin to hear. When Jesus shows up, things change. Oh, when is the last time we wake up uh, on a Sunday morning early saying, oh, baby, don't get your coffee now. We'll have to get it on the road because we have got to get to church because Jesus is at church. And where Jesus is, things shake, things move, things change. When's the last time we've come to church with expectancy of God doing something because Jesus is in the house? So all these people, they rushed to see Jesus and they crowded around the room, the house that he was in and and they filled the house and they spilled out into the street and people were leaning into doorways and into windows trying to to catch a glimpse of Jesus. But the word tells us that what Jesus did, he didn't immediately begin to perform miracles. Do you catch the end of this of what he did? What does it say he did at the end of verse two? He preached the word. Now, this is important, church. This is important. There is power in the word of God. There is power in the word of God. And I'm concerned that many believers, we take the word of God for granted. We don't see it as what it actually is. And so Jesus took this opportunity. Their expectations were, I want to see miracles. But Jesus said, let's begin with the word And so he taught the word to them. I personally love the word of God and I love to teach about the word of God because most of us, I believe, we just think the word is some information, some stories, some verses that we need to catalog in our mind because that's the Christian thing to do, but that's not not the value of the word of God. Hebrews tells us that the word is alive and it's powerful. And we know that the word does a lot of things. I love just to teach about the benefits of the word. I could rattle off about 10 things for you right now that the word does for you, but I'm only gonna focus on one. According to Romans 10, 17, uh, the word of God does something, it builds our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'll show you in a moment why that's important. But the the purpose of the word or one of the purposes of the word is to build our faith. So Jesus took this opportunity. Picture with me. Do you see it? The crowd gathered around this little house. Now, we're talking about a small house. Crowd gathered around. Jesus there, he begins to preach the word. Look with me at verse three. And they come unto him bringing one sick of palsy which was born of four. Now, I... In this type of message, when we're going verse by verse, line by line, word by word, I love to read through the King James. So you'll notice we're using the King James today because in that type of detailed study, it's easier to get to the original text through the King James, but it can be a little confusing, which this verse may be. So let me, even though we're reading King James, let me give you the infamous JEV version, the Jody's expanded version of this scripture, ready? Here's what it says, four dudes carried their buddies in, all right? So it was these four guys that had this friend who was, uh, was sick and sick of palsy and he had to be carried on this, on this mat. So these buddies came carrying, carrying their friend to Jesus. You know, maybe it's time for us to quit expecting people to come to church and to go get them. Maybe it's time, those of us, and maybe it's because we have the wrong expectations about Jesus, and so we don't think Jesus is a big deal, so we don't go get our friends. But let me tell you something. When we begin to see the power of Jesus, the miracle-working power of Jesus, we're going to be knocking on the neighbor's door and saying, I'm not asking you to come to church. I'm grabbing you. You're coming to church, right? And so we see these four men, they grab their buddy, and they are bringing him to see Jesus. In verse four, it says, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. How many of you have heard this story before? I I love this story, but I also love Uh, imagination. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a picture guy. So here's what I'm picturing. You got this house here and Jesus is in there and he's preaching the word and the crowds have gathered. I mean, this thing is hopping. And then there's this man who has a need and his four buddies are bringing him to meet Jesus because there's a need. And they understand that the source for that need is Jesus. The idea is if there's a need, I got to get to Jesus because Jesus changes things. And so they are are trying to get their buddy to Jesus, but as as they're moving toward the meeting, what they find is they can't get there. The first obstacle is in their way, is a crowd. We need, Jesus is the answer, but I can't get to Jesus because there's a crowd there. So the Bible says that they threw up their hands and said, well, I guess it wasn't God's will, let's go home. Is that what it says? It isn't. So. If you look historically of what houses would have looked like back then, and especially in a fishing village, you'd find that often on these houses, there would be a staircase on the side of the house or some way to get to the roof of the house because fishermen would use the roof of the house to lay out their fish and to dry their fish. So this was common um, that this house would look like this. And historically, we know that most likely this was Peter's house. Okay, so so this was all happening at Peter's house. And so there's probably Peter in the living room and his buddy Jesus is preaching. The crowds are there. This thing is exciting. What they don't know is that somebody is climbing the stairs on the outside of the house because these men begin to pack their, their buddy up to the roof and they get to the roof. And again, I'm just thinking about those four guys. You know, there's one of them look at the other one and go, let's tear the roof off of this place. And, and the other three are like, huh? But I don't know who, who initiated it, but the roof traditionally would have been some kind of thatched roof over this. And so there they are, they're up there with their lame buddy. The first obstacle was a the crowd. They couldn't, they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, but now there's a second obstacle. The obstacle is the roof. There's a need up here and there's power to, to meet the need down here, but there's an obstacle in the way. So again, they threw their hands up and said, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. Let's go home in what they said. They began to dismantle the move, the, the roof. And can you imagine Jesus? He's giving them the good stuff down there. He's preaching away and all of a sudden the little dust particles begin to fall. And then there's Peter, dude, my house, you know, and so, all of a sudden, can you imagine it gets quiet in the room and everybody's looking up like, "What in the world is going on?" And they see the roof being being pulled apart. And um, I haven't watched the Chosen, but if they have this scene on the on the Chosen, it would probably be they pull that last palm from back and a beam of ray of sun enlightens the face of Jesus. <laughs> right? That's probably what it would look like. <laughs> ah, there he is, in all of his glory. And so everybody's like, what in the world is going on? And and these four guys said, you know what? Let's lower him down. So I don't know what that looked like. I don't know how tall the roof was. I, I don't know if they had ropes. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they just, you know, <laughs> here you go, Jesus. But all we know is that they began, they began to lower this guy, listen, they didn't stop at the obstacle there was radical faith and they said you know what there's a need and Jesus is the source of that need and if there's something in the way it's time to tear the roof off some things because all we know is we need change something's got to happen here so you have radical faith verse five here's what happened when Jesus saw their faith would everybody in the room with me please say those two words their faith When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What Jesus noticed isn't probably what Peter noticed. Peter probably noticed his house is getting tore up. But Jesus noticed something else, he noticed their faith. Let me tell you something, God can't ignore faith faith moves God. Remember we said last week that the woman with the issue of blood, when she was healed, Jesus said, it's your faith that made you whole. Talking to you about faith here this morning. Remember I said to you that one of the the main things that the word of God accomplishes in our life is it builds our faith. Why? Because we don't receive anything from God apart from faith. Listen to this statement I just said. Bible tells us in Hebrews. Now without faith, it's impossible to believe God or to, to please God, because those who come to Him must know that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Everything we receive from God we receive by faith. We know that even our salvation let me tell you something, you didn't get saved by praying a prayer. You got saved by putting your faith in Jesus. That's how we do it. I put my faith in who Jesus is. And so Jesus recognized their faith. Listen to me, church, so many of us, we've asked for things, we have issues, we've gone to God, and there was obstacles in the way. And some of us have have just said, well, I guess it's not God's will that I have this breakthrough or this thing change in my life because there's an obstacle. Many of us stop at the obstacles. But I wanna encourage you that what moves God is our faith. And and in fact, faith is so powerful. If you were to skip forward a couple of verses to Mark, uh, a couple of chapters to Mark chapter six, you'll see once again, I said this a few weeks ago, that when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, he was there to minister but the Bible said that because of their unbelief he couldn't do any mighty works. Please listen to me. Jesus the very son of God who raises the dead could not do miracles in his own hometown. Why? Listen, the word tells us this is Mark chapter 6. It says because he marvelled at their unbelief. Now so here's what you have. You have faith that activates God and you have you have doubt or unbelief that shuts God down and that blocks access from us enjoying the things that God has for us. Faith is important, church. So we have to be people of the word because as we get in the word, it builds our faith and we can begin to believe for the things that God has promised us. So it was his faith, their faith that Jesus recognized. And then he turns to the, to the man who's sick and he says something interesting to him. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the room, I'd be like, I don't think sin's the issue here. I think it's because he can't get off the mat, right? But Jesus did not say to him, son, you're healed. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now, why is that? Well, I believe we can uh, get a glimpse of why that is. By turning to the book of 1 Peter, let me show you a verse in 1 Peter chapter two, and this is a, a verse that needs to be underlined in every one of our Bibles. 1 Peter chapter two, verse 24, speaking of Jesus, it says this, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. So you have these four friends, and you have this man on the mat, and what they think the issue is is palsy. The issue is this sickness, and Jesus says, no, the issue is not the sickness. The issue is sin. Now, here's what I'm not saying, that that man was sinful, so he was sick. In fact, he couldn't get off the... It'd be hard to be sinful laying on a mat all the time. I mean, I'm sure I could manage it, but for the rest of you, it'd actually be hard to be sinful if you lived your life laying there. So I'm not saying because this man was sin- had sinned that, that he was sick of palsy, no, no, no. What I'm saying is something bigger than that. You know what, what is behind every negative thing on this planet, it's sin. The greatest issue is sin. You have to look back to the garden before sin. What did life on earth look like before the garden? Before, I mean, before sin. So everything, sickness, death, poverty, captivity, all those things, that's that's the result of sin. And so what Jesus knew was that, that this sickness that this man was experiencing, it wasn't the root, that was the symptom of the root, the symptom was sin. I mean, I'm sorry, the root was sin. So he went right to the issue. Because we we see in 1 Peter chapter 2 that what Jesus did, how many of you know that all of us were born with a sin problem? There's not a person in here who wasn't born with a sin problem. And then after we live a little bit, we add to our sin problem. I mean, I started behind the eight ball, now I'm way behind, right? And so we're all born with a sin problem, but Jesus, but Jesus. But Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us on the cross. Listen, you know what he did on the cross? He solved the sin issue. The wages of sin is death. Because there is sin, there has to be death. And you and I either die that death or we accept the fact that Jesus received it for us. So in his body on the cross, he, he dealt with the sin issue. Why? So that you and I can live in righteousness. In other words, we can live in right standing with God. And then it goes on to say, by whose stripes you are healed. That word healed actually means whole. So here's, here's what you need to know. Looking at the man in front of you right now, first of all, you are looking at a righteous man. My, my wife didn't in that. My friends, my friends didn't amen that. You are looking at a righteous man. Why? Because you do everything right? Absolutely not. I'm not a righteous man because I've earned it. Ephesians 2 tells us that. There's no works that I can boast about, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ because Jesus has dealt with the sin issue in my life. And because of that, now I can walk as a man in right standing with God. If you're born again here today, I want you to know something. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, and you can have a walk that reflects your identity. And by his stripes, I am whole. Whole means nothing missing, nothing lacking. I'm saying this to you, church, because I believe so much of God's people, the only thing we know about Jesus is that he died for our sins, but we really don't understand how far-reaching redemption has gone. And so what Jesus says to this man is you think your problem is sickness, no, I'm gonna go beyond sickness and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of the sin issue in you. And when he said that, if you continue reading, what you'll find is that the people in the room got really nervous when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, because there were some scribes and some Pharisees and some really smart people in there. And they began to question in themselves, whoa, 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 we're blaspheming now. They said, man, uh, you know, only God can, can forgive sins. And so in their mind, they started immediately getting offended and getting rattled, just like many of you may be rattled in here this morning. And then Bible says that immediately Jesus saw or understood that in their heart they were wrestling with this and so Jesus says to them this he says and these are to the ones who were upset about Jesus dealing with the sin issue and Jesus said and I always picture doing it with sarcasm just because I would do it with sarcasm but he's Jesus and he probably didn't do it with sarcasm but Jesus said listen guys what's it matter is, is it, It's just as easy to, for me to say your sins be forgiven or take up your bed and walk. It don't make no difference to me. But then he went on to say, but just to show you who I am, here's what I'm gonna do. And the Bible said that he turned to the man with palsy at this time. Now he's talking to the Pharisees. He's doing this to rattle them more. But he turns to the man with palsy and he says, uh, hey you, get up take your bed and go home And the Bible says that immediately immediately the man hopped up we don't know if this man has ever hopped up but all of a sudden this man is up and I can just picture him rolling up his bed alright and I see him put it on his shoulder and give Jesus one of these hey Jesus and to the people I'm out and off he goes Life changed, life changed. Healing power of Jesus in there. But he dealt with the sin issue. And again, church, I don't think we understand the power of what Jesus had done for us on the cross. He has done so much more. You know, a lot of us just think, well, he said, well, you know, forgiving of our sins is just like, no, no, that's okay. I guess guess I'll overlook that. He didn't overlook it. He paid for every one of them. He paid for every one of them. And and, and not only dealing, dealing with our sins, he purchased our wholeness. He purchased our wholeness. And this is, I just believe God sometimes is in heaven looking down at his people and going, I love those guys so much, but I'm so tired of watching my children not walking in the fullness of what my son gave his life for. I believe when God sees sickness, please understand me, I know, I've been there. My dad has, has dealt with cancer. I have a sister and a sister-in-law who have dealt with cancer. So this isn't some pie in the sky, Jody just saying things. No, no, no. I understand the reality of, of, of life on this planet. But I believe that there is a faith that gets Jesus' attention. When we decide to say, you know what, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the obstacle is. I don't care that my grandmother and my, the, my great-grandmother before him all had these issues. It's stopping with me. By faith, I am reaching to the healer and I'm going I'm to break through whatever obstacle is in the way because I have a need and Jesus is the source for all my needs. But church, if we have a doctrine or theology that says, well, you just kind of got to throw up a prayer and wait and see because we don't know. We don't know what God's will is. We, we don't see these guys asking about Jesus's will. Uh, Jesus, excuse me. Is this your will to heal? No, they tore the roof off the place, dropped him at his feet, and his, their faith got his attention. Let me, let me tell you something else. It wasn't even the man with palsy's faith. It wasn't even him. It was his friends. And you'd say, Jody, why are you bringing that up? Listen, because there's a, there's a wife in here somewhere who's believing for their husband. There's a wife believing for an, un, an unsaved husband. And I want you to know, build your faith. Begin to stand, begin to, to declare. There's parents in here who have wayward children and, and, and they're not expressing any faith. Oh, but the faith of a mom, the faith of a dad who'll stand in the gap and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve God. Some of us praying for neighbors and coworkers and family members, and I don't know what the issue is but it was the faith of the friends that got Jesus' attention. And so we see God radically change this man's life. And it's a beautiful story, but the question always becomes, what does this mean for us today? Great story, but how do I apply it? Well, I believe the application looks like this. First of all, I want you to know that if you're here today and you've never had your sin issue dealt with, today's your day. First step is, and you know, there are a lot of people we, we pray and ask God for things. We want God to heal us or God to provide something for us. But we've, our sin issue is not dealt with. Step one is dealing with your sin issue. Let me tell you what that does not mean. It does not mean be a better person so maybe God will touch you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about knocking off a few of your rougher habits cleaning yourself up. That's not what I'm saying with the sin issue. You know the way we deal with our sin issue? We go to God and say, God, I am a big pile of mess. I've got a sin issue that I've tried to clean up. I've tried to change my habits. I've tried to solve it all. And God, I continue to fall. I have a sin problem. And in that moment is when God looks down at us and says, duh. You do have a sin problem. But there is a sin solution. And the sin solution is by putting your faith in Jesus. I love it so much. I love to think about Jesus on that cross never having committed one sin, nothing he had done to deserve it. You know why he was there? It's because I deserve it. It's because you deserve it. You do. I do. And Jesus went to that cross and he paid for sins that he didn't commit so that you and I don't have to pay for our own sins. All I do is I express my faith in Jesus. I've said this to you so many times, but there's new people in the house. When I get to heaven, if it were to be that traditional scenario that we all think that when you walk in the gates, Peter turns to me and says, Jody, why should we let you in heaven? Here's Jody's response, you ready? Everybody, every eye on me. Why does Jody get to go to heaven? I'm gonna point at Jesus and go, it's Jesus or nothing. I have nothing else. I can't bring anything to you and go, because I was a pastor or because I, you know, my parents were pastors or I married a good looking Christian woman. I, none of that, it's Jesus or it's nothing. And so the first thing we have to, the first application out of this story is if you're here today and you've not yet become born again by simply acknowledging the fact that I'm a sinner and I can't do anything about it, so I'll put my faith in Jesus, the fact that he has done something about it. That's the first application. Second application, though, is for those of us who our sin problem has been dealt with. In other words, if you're a believer in here this morning, my encouragement to you is get in the word of God and find out what all that covers. Find out what it means. Because Jesus has done far more for us than just forgive our sins. By his stripes, we are whole. We know that in Isaiah 53, we know that he's He's corrected our peace for us. Listen, you know what the, the life of a believer ought to look like? There ought to be peace. If there's not peace in your life, it doesn't mean you're damaged. It just means that you might not know that Jesus has purchased your peace. Peace, You need to build your faith in that and begin to stand on it and declare it and believe in faith that my life is going to be marked with peace. And Jesus is up there saying amen because he's remembering the fact that I purchased that peace. That peace came at great price to me. I remember it. I felt it. I took it in my body. I suffered for peace. Now my kids need to live in peace. And it's not selfish of us, church. It's not. It's not selfish of us. I believe it's honoring to the one who has purchased it for us when we begin to take him at his word, stand on the promises of God. But you got to get in the word. If you're not in the word, you you don't even know that this is available to you. Plus, have faith to believe for it. So, Church, we gotta be people of the word. And here's why we get in the word. First reason we get into the word, you ready? Is to discover the God of the word. It's God we're looking for in his word. But when I get in his word, I begin to see his nature. I begin to see his character. I begin to see his goodness. I begin to see his his plans and and his commands. And and so I find the God of the word in the word. That's what happens first. But then I begin to get faith My faith is built as I begin to go, God, you know what? You did that for them. I think you might be able to do it for me too. You you gave a breakthrough to them. I need a breakthrough in my life. I'm in right standing with you. You know what? I I believe God that you're the same yesterday, today and forever. I believe you're the God who can still do miracles, who can still change things, who can still provide breakthrough. You see what happens? But you gotta get in the word and find this church so we got to get in there and get our faith built. And then we, 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 we're, we're, we're all faith-filled now and we're believing God for things, but then point three, you know what the next application is? Get ready for some obstacles. You walk out of here, oh man, I'm gonna go, whoo, things are changing in my life. And then there's an obstacle. There's an obstacle, what do we do? When we hit obstacles, we don't go, well, I guess Jody was preaching to the guy on the other side of me. Or the guy, no, 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 no. Start tearing the roof off of some things. Talking about the woman with the issue of blood who said, you know what, there's a crowd in the way, but I'm gonna push through a crowd because I don't care what other people are doing. I don't care what the obstacle is. It's, I'm determined now. I'm desperate. I'm determined. I'm ready to move forward. I wanna walk in the things that God has for me. I wanna walk in the fullness of it. And I'm ready for my life to be changed, so we're gonna have to get ready to deal with some obstacles and quit throwing our hands up in the air and say, well, I guess God doesn't do that anymore, or I guess that wasn't God's will for my life. I want you to know, Bible says that Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He went around setting people free. Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Don't tell me it's not God's will for you to be free if in his very presence is freedom. I don't know what your issue is. I don't know what you're believing God for these days. I don't know if there's something physical going on in your body. I don't know, again, if there's issues in your family or, or what's happening. It really doesn't matter. I want you to know this. Whatever your need is, Jesus is the answer to your need, right? You got to have faith, though, and you got to push through the obstacles to get to it.